Welcome to a celebratory edition of the Let's Run.com Track Talk Podcast. Not only is it our USA Previews Podcast and Let's Run.com Founders Day, but there have been two big victories this week for common sense and all distance running fans. First, the arbitration case backed by Let's Run.com. USATF was required to pick its Pan Am Games team by its published rules. And then later in the week, the IWF granted USATF's Olympic Marathon Trials gold label status, so top three at the trials automatically on the Olympic Marathon team. Sounds pretty simple, pretty basic, but a big victory for common sense distance running fans. Robert, happy birthday. Jonathan, welcome. Yeah, well then, and happy birthday to yourself. If In case people who are wondering what Let's Run.com Founders Day is... It's the birthday of Robert and Weldon Johnson. Happy birthday, Robert, as well. I don't know if they're at the point where they no longer are comfortable sharing their age publicly, but uh, yeah, I hope you guys have celebrating. It's a great week for the sport of track and field. It's a great week for running. It's a great week for Let's Run.com. Yes, and and those of you that think we should not be taking any credit, I, I think that all running fans should take credit for the marathon trials because if the distance fans don't revolt, don't get showed that... USATF, that the, the trials mean a lot to them. This doesn't happen. It really was fantastic on that front to, to see that. And then the Pan Am Games, I'm not going to lie, that felt really good. It may end up costing us $2,000, although we, t- we talked about sponsors at the beginning of the show. If you want to be a sponsor, you can be the sponsor of this week's podcast. Go to the Let's Run.com, go fund me. We're on the hook for $2,000 worth of legal fees to hold the USATF accountable. So we're trying to raise some money there. But that felt great. I mean, these people have ignored the rules for whenever they wanted, for as long as I could remember. And to actually hold them to that, to, to, to accountability, w- was really great. One thing, I, I did think of a negative though, guys. And it looks like they're actually going to replace the team. Well, can you update people on that? There was the, the arbitrator didn't, you know, he says you have to try to replace the team, but the Pan Am Games may not accept that. But we've heard from a few people, right, that they have been put on. Is that true? Yeah, emailed Marissa Howard, who was a steeplechaser who should have been picked to the team. Essentially, if you guys don't know what's going on, USATF's published rules said they would pick the team based on 2019 marks. Instead, they picked the team from 2018 and 2019 marks. And Marissa, ha- Marissa Howard should have been picked for the team. She wasn't. She was part of this arbitration hearing that Letron.com paid the $2,000 for. I emailed her, and she said she's been contacted by USATF. She's on the team. So it sounds like they have been able to make changes with the Pan Am Games Association. So this wasn't just a Pyrrhic victory, it sounds like. But get this, all right? So Tyler McCandless, he was also involved in the selection debacle in 2015, and he uh, was involved in an arbitration case against USATF as well. He tweeted out on July 22nd, he said, USA, he was asked by USATF to be on the Pan American Marathon team just six days before the race. He said he turned them down because obviously, you know, you're not going to just be able to ready to run a marathon in six within six days. But that sort of shows you what this incompetence has led to that they're trying to replace the marathon day team six days out from race day. It's a race day, July 28th. The marathon is unlike the Olympics. The marathon actually comes first at the Pan Am Games uh, as opposed to last. So the Pan Am Games were on the same day as the USA's. Well, the Pan Am Marathon. I mean, I don't think Tyler McCandless was going to be running USA's. I, I did think about the, the one negative. Imagine if you've been picked on the team for 2018, 2019, and you're obviously excited. Perhaps your family buys a ticket down to Costa Rica. Peru. Oh, excuse me, Peru. Yeah. that's more. I mean, there's more than one negative in that case, Barbara, but that's certainly it. Like, I mean, to me, the biggest shame is athletes, no matter if you're 2018 or 2019 or how you got picked to this team, for a lot of these athletes, getting the, being told you're going to get to wear the USATF the USA singlet in competition is a thrill and to have that thrill taken away because of some bureaucratic snafu, it's just really unfortunate. And there are going to be people who are unhappy and people who've had their dreams crushed. And it's just sad that I know USATF, their intention probably wasn't to have that happen to athletes, but that's, that has been what's happened in this situation. What I really want to know, and and I don't think anyone's heard this, maybe we should contact David Geifinger uh, the lawyer who represented us in this case is has anyone in, in any of this, did it ever come up how this happened? I mean, apparently USATF behind the scenes was telling people we want, they intended to pick it in 2018, 19, but when they published it, it only said 2019. So I want to know like 
Was that just a typo? Was it a mistake? How did that happen? And is someone being held accountable? And I was talking to a, a prominent coach yesterday about this case. And he was like, oh, this, you know, team snafus happen all the time. He claimed this year at the World University Games. Now, apparently, I don't know if USATF actually enters everybody. It may have been the coach's fault, but USATF is involved in sending people to that somehow. Um, that, a, 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 that a Virginia Tech thrower showed up in Europe. I think they're in Europe somewhere. And was like, okay, I'm here to check in. They're like, well, you're not entering the meet. So, and apparently also at the 2014, was it 2014 World Juniors in Eugene? One of the America's top throwers. I think it may have been Ravens, um, what's her name, Saunders? Is that right, John? Yeah. And, and I'm not sure if it was her, but she's same thing, checked in. They're like, well, you're not entering the meet. So the fact that this stuff could, these mistakes, like as a coach, as an administrator, there is nothing more important than getting these teams right and making sure the procedure. You've got to double check it, triple check it, quadruple check it, you know, and, you know, it's just sort of incompetence all around. So hopefully, you know, we're not having the same problem in four years yet again. You know, so thanks to David Greifinger, he did this case pro bono. Um, so a lot of people – did this. I think it's sort of unfortunate that essentially like people had to like crowdfund the money for these athletes to stand up for what's right. There needs to be some sort of fund created for athletes that they can use. And also I wish that the USOPC would step in and say like, you've already lost one arbitration case. It's very clear. You need to do this, you know, pick the whole team according to these rules or USATF had done it on, on its own. It shouldn't have taken another two or three weeks to go by for this to happen. But it was a good step. Right. But USATF can fight this because they're not spending, they're spending the company's money. It's not their money personally. So it's much easier for them just to hire an outside counsel, blow twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 in this case, whereas for the athletes, they're spending their own harder money and they don't, most of them don't have a whole lot of it. But we, we talked about how it's a thrill of a lifetime to, to wear the team USA Jersey. Let's talk about USA's. They start on Thursday, guys, Thursday through Sunday, John and Weldon, you're going to be in Des Moines. We're going to have, you know, at the end of the week, we're going to know which three people in every event are going to be representing Team USA at the big at the big one at the Worlds in Doha. And speaking of top three in every event, we do have a sponsor for the podcast, Running Warehouse, the sponsor of the $200,019 Let's Run.com prediction contest for USA's. Go to Let's Run.com, enter your picks for the top three in all the running events in the pole vault. You can win some great prizes. Hoka One One Clifton Six or Running Warehouse gift certificates. It's pretty easy. Running Warehouse sponsors all of our podcasts. There's a reason they're the leader in all of our podcasts. Excuse me, all of our contests. You know, free day to do two day shipping for running shoes both ways. If you, there's ever any question where you for, should order running shoes from online, it's Running Warehouse. And we'll have the leading contenders from the contest later in the podcast. So let's just hop right into this, guys. We've got tons of races on the track and competitions in the field. Which one, Robert, I'll ask you, which race are you most excited about at USA's this weekend? Well, let me start by saying which race I'm least excited about, and that would have to be the women's 10,000 meters. We might as well not even have that race. Do you guys realize that there's no one, there's only three women in the field that have the standard, considering it's going to be hot in Des Moines, no one else is going to get it. So just cancel the race. Let those three women go. We've got Demario Hall, Emily Sisson, and Molly Huddle on the team. Congratulations, women. You will be going to Doha. Actually, that's not true. I'm excited to see that race because I want to see who's going to win, Emily or Molly. Okay, but to, to answer your question about which event I'm most excited about, it's got to be one of three events, the men's 800 or 1500 or the women's 1500. The men's 800, I mean, this race is phenomenal. You've got three total studs in it. You've got the NCAA champion, Bryce Hopple, undefeated on the year. Over 20 races is 21 or 22 in a row. He's in the form of his life. But then you also have the two big guns, Olympic medalist Clayton Murphy of the Nike Oregon Project and his teammate Donovan Brazier in the Nike Oregon Project Civil War. One's coached by, by the really the only teammates in name only. One's coached by Pete Julian. One's coached by Alberto Salazar. you got to wonder, is Julian t- t- tired of not getting credit? for coaching all these studs in that group. Does he want to have his own group? You know, so that is really intriguing. The 1500, again, you've got sort of the NOP BTC rivalry, the ex-NOP member 
Matthew Sintowicz, the Olympic champion, coming back from injury against Craig Ingalls is incredible form. A couple of Brooks Beast are in good form. Who wins that? Not only that, and also who makes the team. And then the women's 1500. Shelby Houlihan and Jenny Simpson are total studs. I think they're safe, but who gets that third spot should be really, really interesting. Um, of those three, what do you guys think? Which is the best? What do we want to start with? I think I think men's 1500, just because it's a debate who's going to make the team, but also who wins. Like, you know, Engels versus... Uh, I'm pretty confident in the men's 800, the team is going to be Brazier, Murphy, and Hopple. But in the men's 1500, Engels versus Centro, I think it's a little bit of debate. Engels beat Centro at pre- I'm still going to go with Centro. He's the Olympic champion, but Weldon, you're making a disgusted face right now. I'm shocked. Like, Craig Ingalls is in great form. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen him in any Diamond League meets. Like, what the hell are you guys talking he about? He finished fifth in the Bowman Mile. Did that you was watch like, that he, one? The pre class Weldon? He cherry-picked a few guys from behind. I mean, like, he was never in contention in that race. Neither was Centro. Exactly. That's why, like, world-class this year... The 800s where it's at, Brazier and Murphy, they're like serious gold medal threats. And obviously, Centro's got an Olympic gold, and maybe he could be. But, okay, you guys think Craig Ingalls is going to nip a bronze medal? Uh, yeah, you guys love that fantasy. say that. Until he does it, like, let's go. Come on, man. The 800 is where it's at. Like These guys are like Diamond League stars this year. A guy You're raving about a guy who got fifth place in one Diamond League meet all year, and he's in great form. What was his time in the mile there? 351. I'm sorry, Weldon. I didn't I didn't think it we were asked which event has the best chance to produce a gold medalist. I was asked which event is the most exciting to me. And to me, an event where I think I know who the three people on the team are already isn't as exciting as one where I don't know who's gonna win and I don't know who's gonna make the team. Fair enough, fair enough. But I know really why John likes the fifteen hundred, and I want you to admit this on the air right now. It's because Johnny Gregoric's in there. Johnny Gregoric, who John used to race, no matter what, like any race Johnny Gregoric's in. John loves. That's not true. But John beat him in a race. I do want to say, yeah, the 2017 USA team in the 1500s, Centurits, Robbie Andrews, and Johnny Gregoric, I have beaten two of the three people on that team. I've beaten Robbie Andrews and Johnny Gregoric in legitimate races. All right, granted, they were cross-country races when I beat Robbie in like high school and college. But anyway, so but that's not why. I, I mean, Johnny, I think, I think he actually will make the team. He was my pick for third. He's got a great kick. He's a 349 miler. Weldon got to give him credit fastest American miler since Alan Webb but that's not why I like this race it's because it's a great race I don't know I, I just I feel like Simpson and Houlihan they're bringing it at with world-class times the 1500 I mean I, I shouldn't argue we have an Olympic silver medal in that event an Olympic gold medal in that event and what world bronze medal in that event as well in the USA in the last seven years for the men so they are competing at the time but like in the diamond league these guys are just getting their clocks blown off and so it's hard for me to get as excited for it as for the 800 i'm really interested in brazier versus murphy and hopple well weldon you were bringing up jenny simpson being world class in the 1500 robert might tend to might, i think robert would disagree that she's a metal threat anymore he started a thread this he seems to do this every few months jenny simpson should go to the steeple i mean do you think I th- I think it's a fairly fair go- foregone conclusion that Shelby Houlihan will win this race? But Robert, do you even think Jenny can medal it? Is she wasting her time in the fifteen hundred? That's what you think, right? Let's provide some rationality to this discussion, gentlemen. Let's we'll come back to that, John. I don't want to be put on the spot for my inflammatory post in the message boards at the beginning of the podcast. Let's start with the men's eight hundred. We'll go event by event: men's eight hundred, men's fifteen, women's fifteen. It really depends on what you're more into, like who's going to win, or you know, like. The battle is the third up for the grabs. The men's 800, I think it's is fascinating because it's one of the few distance events, I think, where really, well, I guess some people are going to say that Hopple doesn't have a chance of winning, but any of the three, I think, have a shot of winning this race. I mean, h- how can you say Hopple doesn't have a shot of winning it when he's undefeated on the year? So I, who has the edge here? I mean, in terms of seasonal best, John, Who's run the fastest? It's- well, Donovan Brazier's run the fastest. He had the world leader until a couple weeks ago until they started running fast in the Diamond League. But I think Donovan Brazier, you, he has to be the favorite. All right, for one, he has the fastest time this year. Two, he has won a Diamond League. He won in Rome. Three, he's beaten Clayton Murphy head-to-head twice already this year, indoors and outdoors. I think he has to be the guy to beat. And, well, we've talked about how he struggled in the 
rounds sometimes, but his last three appearances at USA's 2017 outdoors, 2018 indoors, 2018, 2019 indoors. He's won the race every time. I think he's become a more patient runner from what I've seen training under Pete Julian this year. To me, Brazier has to be the favorite, but that said, Murphy is a stud and Hopple's been really good this year. So I think both of them have a chance at winning. John, do you remember like when he won those races, how did he do it? How did he run the races? I used to think of Brazier sort of as a one-trick pony, kind of like a Natalia goalie. She had a male, male version of that. He had to go out really hard and just kind of hold on. But his endurance seems so much better now, 337, the 1500. But do we remember how those races went? Usually his preferred strategy is to sit in just off the shoulder of the leader. This is basically how he won those races. I think Sawinski needed the standard in 2017, so he sort of sat behind him in that one. Or that was 2018 indoors. And then earlier this year in the 600 at USA Indoors, he he didn't go out in the lead, even though he broke the world record in that event. He he actually slingshotted around. Um, but I think, and the other thing I'm really excited about is Brazier and Murphy, they've never raced each other in a US final. They've been at the same meet, they were in the same heat at the Olympic trials in 16 when Brazier flamed out. Last year, Murphy was a DNS. Oh, sorry, 2017, Murphy was a DNS. He tried the 800-1500 double. We've never seen these two young stars actually square off in a U.S. championship final, and we should, you know, barring some insanity in Des Moines, which isn't unprecedented, we should see them in the final on Sunday. It should be a terrific race. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, let's take a look at the Let's Run Nation polls, Weldon, on the prediction contest. I think most people are picking Brazier, and I think that makes sense. That was your pick, John, right in, in, in the preview. He's run 143.63. It's eight-tenths of a second, which is a lot faster than Bryce Hopple, 144.41. And Murphy's basically won for the same time, 144.47. So uh, given his, his wins the last two years, I think he's the favorite. But we got to remember, guys, I mean, Murphy's not exactly chopped liver. He does have an Olympic medal. He may have something that these other two guys never have. Um, but he just hasn't looked as sharp. I, I'm not sure that all this – mile works necessarily helps his 800 that much whereas i kind of think that the mile work the strength work does help brazier in the sense that brazier's already naturally fast enough now he can get to the rounds because he's stronger right and that's one thing robert i just wanted to add in there uh we're recording this on wednesday morning clayton murphy is double entered in the 1500 and 800 and i've spoken to his agent paul doyle he said he still was undecided as of monday but was probably not going to do both. We're assuming he's going to do the 800 because in the 1500, I just don't see him doing anything on the global stage. But it is worth noting there's an outside chance he runs the 1500 in Des Moines. Yes, the running warehouse prediction contest polls. Five times as many people are picking Donovan Brazier over Clayton Murphy. So 76% of you guys think Brazier will win and 17% of you think Clayton Murphy will win. And 6% for Bryce Hopple. So, Brazier is the clear favorite in the Running Warehouse prediction contest. Um, it's pretty interesting, right? It, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of d- doubt about him in championship races just because he fizzled out of the 2016 Olympic trials. But he did win in 2017, as John said. But he missed all the outdoor season last year. So, it's amazing just how well he's bounced back this year. I mean, we should sort of just take it for granted that he's running well. He's been running well since indoors, but he missed the whole entire outdoor season last year. Well, he's a huge talent. I mean, I remember t- talking to him in Boston ahead of the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix, and he was saying he'd basically only been running track workouts. He'd been on a track for a couple of weeks, and he goes out and runs 145 indoors. I mean, he's just a-, a monster talent. But the one guy we haven't mentioned, he was second last year. He was second in 2017, made the World Championship semifinals in London is Isaiah Harris, the Nike pro. He was the NCAA champ last year for Penn State. He's only raced four times this year outdoors. Uh, he was injured, first real injury of his career. He's only run 146.56, so he doesn't have the standard yet, but you assume he would get it if he finishes in the top three. Do we have any? Ch- Does he have any chance, guys? What do you make of Isaiah Harris? I don't think he has any chance of getting top three. I mean, I guess somebody could always... 800 is a hard event. Going from that semifinal round of 24 down to the finals, eight is brutal. Um, but uh, guys, you want to try to get fourth here. You don't want to go for broke and go get the top three. I mean, I know you, that's the goal, but finishing fourth could theoretically get you on the team. I don't think it's crazy to think that Donovan Brazier could win the diamond league final. I mean, I think he's that much of a talent and with Nigel Amos pulling up injured last week, you know, that would create a four spot for the United States. 
So, but he's only run 140. Harris has only run 146.56. He's 16th fastest in the U.S. I mean, that's just a huge jump. I mean, 144.47 is pretty good, guys. I mean, remember when we had that historic 800 at the trials? What year was that when all those guys fell across the line? I mean, that was 2008. Yeah, but what was the time in that race? They weren't running 144.47, wasn't it like a 145 race in the back end? So, to, to, to be that fast right now is pretty impressive you know, 70 days out from worlds or whatever we are. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Harris ran the Eastern track league, which is a cool new thing this year, the season finale in DC on July 13th. So 11 days ago, and he's only fifth place in that race behind Kumail Prince, Eric Swinsky, Sam Ellison, Edose Ibadan, and then Isaiah Harris. So, I mean, he's getting fifth, 11 days out. He's just got so far to go to try to make this team. But Robert, that was the most informative thing I think I've heard you say in the podcast in a couple of weeks. Guys, yeah, don't forget fourth place could make you make worlds this year in this event. So something to think about. All right. And now to bring Robert down a peg, the winning time of that trials race uh, in 2008. Winning. Simmons, one, winning time, 144-1. Okay. If you were talking about second and third, yeah, second and third, neither of them broke 145. So just getting the facts out there. What was what was her time there? One forty five oh three for Andrew Weeding in second, and one forty five forty seven for Christian Smith in third place. Uh, one of the all time legendary U.S. races. That race is so legendary, but they, like Christian Smith would not be touching this team this year. You're right. You're right, John. I agree with you. Enough with eight hundred. Let's move to the fifteen hundred. We're well in his disparaged Craig Ingles, and I, I think that's disrespectful. I know his high school coach Chris Catton. I'm friends with them. I text with. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Now people are going to know where I get my inside information. <laughs> but that guy knows more about track and field than anybody. If you want to be an online, if you want to find an online coach, Google his name. He'll coach you online. He and at the high school level, he coached two sub nine guys back to back years. Different guys. All right, all right, Robert, stop. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Can we say that? Sorry. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> Can we keep that? I guess not. All right, all right. Sorry. Oh my god, that was awesome. John, you can't definitely can't say that. I, I guess there's some boundaries that we can say in the podcast. I'm just stopping it there. All right, all right, all right, fine. I'm just, I'm sorry, Robert's going on and on about this guy. Like, let's talk about the races. Um, anyways, let's take a look at Ingles. Weldon's mocking him because, yeah, he's only run one Diamond League meet. He did finish fifth at the pre at the Bowman Mile, which is one of the most prestigious miles in the in the world. He ran three fifty one sixty there, but at eight hundred, he's dropped down. He skipped the one forty five entirely. He's run one forty four sixty eight. Um. You know, this is a guy that really, in my mind, should have been on the 2017 team. He was in third. Weldon talks about oh, how how Ingles came from behind and sort of just ran cowardly and, and got a lot of guys at, at the Bowerman Mile late. Well, that's what Johnny G did in 2017. He was way back and nipped, you know, Ingles right at the line for that third spot. So if Ingles runs just to get top three, there's no doubt in my mind he makes this team. The question to me is, can he win it? And, John, I know in your prediction you picked Mike Ducentowitz. No. Craig Ingles – is your winner in a shock, not in a shock, but a surprise. Remember, Robbie Andrews, he beat Matthew Centrowitz. Centrowitz is the Olympic champion, but he hasn't been healthy. He, uh, I don't know. I didn't watch that Stumptown meet last week. John, you said you watched it. You thought he was joking around, and he fell back in the middle of the pack and then kicked it in and won convincingly. But when I read afterwards, he's like, yeah, these guys came around me and I realized I needed to go. That made me nervous. It wasn't didn't sound like he was joking around. He's in some sort of spare race, and dudes are coming around him. Not a good sign. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb, John. Craig Ingalls, your 2019 USA 1500-meter champion. Okay, well, I'm going to go with the Olympic champion and the greatest American miler of all time. I, th- I think I feel pretty good about that guy who's 29 years old uh, winning the US title. Like, 2017, I right, that's a good point, Robert. He did lose to Andrews in 2017, but Centro was a shell of himself. I mean, that guy had barely done any training. He had been doing 200s a few weeks earlier and struggling to run the pace he was trying to hit. He flew to Las Vegas. He dyed his hair. He thought his season was over. I mean, I haven't seen Centro do any of that stuff this year. I, I think he's definitely much better than he was in 2019. And I also think he's just a better racer than Craig Engels. I've seen Craig Engels make mistakes in races. 2018 World Indoors, I recall, he, he did not run his heat very well. He still made the final. Like, I just trust Centro... If it's close race, I, I think he's going to have the edge with positioning. Now, maybe Angles has a better kick right now. Who knows? But I think it's Matthew Centrowitz has shown too much this meet too many times for me to bet against him. 
Okay. Ingles. Okay, I'm kind of shocked that he never run in the 145 because I think him as a very good runner. I'm very bullish on Craig Ingles. What? He's a great 800 and 1500 runner. But you guys are just sort of going crazy this year and what he's done. I didn't know the Sunset Tour. I mean, the new he ran fast. He was only 0.2 behind Hopple. So that's pretty good. I didn't actually see the race either. But because this guy, I already think of him as a good 800-meter runner. He's fourth at the last Olympic trials while in college. And we're sort of talking about times at Olympic trials. But that fourth place was only 146. So it just sort of shows how good the U.S. is now at the 800. Um, yeah, okay. You guys have got me around to be interested in this race. Uh, John has me a little nervous there. I, I forgot Central was like going to quit in 2017 or f- call it a season and went to Vegas and dyed his hair. But, John, I'm looking up his stats. May 18th, 2017, you're in a 333-1500. So that was a month before USA. So that's probably equivalent to his 352 mile this year that he ran at Pre. I also forgot that he ran 352 at Pre, so that's pretty good. Uh, now I'm thinking maybe Centro could, could win that. But, John, who are the leading candidates? I think you and I both think both of them are on the team, Ingles and Centro. I, I do, I do. Who, in your mind, give us the, the next tier, you know, who's going to be battling it out for that third spot? Well, let's just read through. Here are the guys with the standard, Robert. We've got Craig Engels and Matthew Centrowitz, and then you have Ben Blankenship, Johnny Gregoric, Clayton Murphy, if he runs, Sam Prekel, Henry Wynn, Isaac Yorks, Brandon Kidder. And again, Brandon Kidder's also entered the 800. So I think it's going to be one of the, one from that group is going to make the team. I'm, I'm bullish on Gregoric just because I think back of how he, not because I ran against him in high school, but because I look at how he made the team in 20. 17 and Weldon, you know, is criticizing Engels here for just hanging back and kicking and blowing by people at the end. Excuse me, that's how you make 1500 teams. Like, have you watched Leo Manzano or Robbie Andrews or any of these guys? Like, that is how you get yourself onto the team is by kicking hard over the last 200. So, I, I'm favoring Gregoric in, in that race for third. Well, not just on the team. I mean, if you do it at Worlds, you get on the podium. That's how Jenny Simpson, who I like to boil too, John, it must be genetic. Well, I don't like people kicking for third. We like people kicking for the win. But yeah, if you even if you don't tie up, and again, I was talking to a very prominent coach yesterday, and we were talking about how hard it is, even for elite 1500 runners, to kick to measure their effort correctly in the last 400, you know, of a tactical race. Almost all of them tie up in the last 100. So it's hard to get that right. Some people are much better at it than others. And, you know, I was watching. You know, this week we were debating on the week that was, you know, has anyone ever closed a race as well as Laura Muir did in that 1500 last week in London, a 57 in a 358 race. So in trying to research that, I've been watching a lot of like world championships from the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. To watch Jenny Simpson medal in some of these races is amazing. Like if you go back and look at 100 meters to go, like she's so far back of third. Like I want to say like 20 meters back. But the person in third has totally misjudged it going for the win and totally rigs up in the last 50 meters. And Simpson just bangs it out the same, you know? I mean... Right. Well, this is the thing, Robert. So you say you it's important to measure your speed over the last 400 and measure your effort. Uh, but you also criticize Simpson. You know, she's only running for third or whatever. That's not what she's doing. I've talked to her about these races. And she says, look, my goal is at the bell... It's to, my goal for the whole race is to get to the finish line as quickly as possible. And that doesn't necessarily meaning running a PR, but it means if you get to the bell, how is the fastest you could, what is the best way for you to run the fastest last lap in the race? And often it is not just going with the move whenever it is made, it is waiting and making sure that you're running the best race for you. And that is what Jenny Simpson is so good at is measuring her effort. We saw it in the 2017 World Championship final. And by the way, you say she doesn't always kick for the win. She is a world champion on the track, 2011, Robert. So just, you know, I feel like I, I feel like it's crazy that I have to stick up for the greatest no. American r- r- miler in history, but there, here I am. Well, and, and let's give credit to the person who coached her to that world championship title. This person never gets any credit. I mean, she recently was an assistant coach at the University of Pennsylvania. Stopped coaching. Julie Benson. Fantastic. She coached a world champion. No one ever talks about that. I know Jenny eventually went back to Mark Wetmore, but let's give credit to what credit's due. Julie, congratulations on coaching her. But in the Let's Run Nation, I mean, I'm only seeing the picks for the win. So only the, the, the third pick – well, there's any way to see like who's picking third most often. The third pick, uh, 59% of the Let's Run Nation is picking Centrowitz, 32% angles for the win, 4.4% for Johnny Gregoric. 2.7% of the Brooks employees are online and voting for Henry Wynn. 
and, and then uh, Clayton Murphy getting 1% and Blaine Blankenship folks getting 0.3%. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Henry, we he's not going to win the race, but I do think he's legitimate, has a legitimate shot to uh, make the team. I mean, he is the U S leader this year at three thirty-five fourteen. He was second behind Engels in the mile indoors. Now, the one knock on Henry Wynn is he's never even made a U.S. final outdoors. Uh, but again, Engels hasn't made a team, and we're talking about him battling for the win. So, uh, you know, the 1500, it's always crazy. I mean, Isaac Yorks was second last year. There was basically a blanket finish right behind Centro. If we have that again, I mean, you could have some crazy people making the team in this. So I, I think it's, it's going to be a great race. And just shout out to a couple guys who won't be there. Robbie Andrews, 2017 champion. He's been dealing with uh, Lyme disease and you know a foot injury, and he's he's not going to be on the start line. Leo Manzano, he had this is the first time since 2005 that Leo will not be at USA's. Uh, he didn't make the final the last two years, but sort of an end of an era there. So yeah, what, I mean, if you so who are you going with for third, guys? Who's your pick? Well, Robert asked if I could see in the running warehouse polls who people were picking for third, and I can. 43% of people are picking Gregoric, 19.3% Blankenship. Some people are picking Ingles, so that means you know they didn't think he would win because Henry Wynn is then next at 10%, Centro, et cetera. But Gregoric is the heavy favorite for most people. I don't know. Uh, he's He's been running. He's got experience. I'm going to go with him or Blankenship. I sort of agree with the Let's Run Nation. I like his chances better than some of the Brooks guys. Just they're more experienced. They've done it at this level. Um, but it should be an interesting race. Yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, the Brooks Beast guys trained together, right? And Josh Kerr was the best of them. He's British, but he only ran 353 in that mile in London. I, I didn't think Josh looked good when I was watching that London race. I feel like he got out and thought, I'm in amazing shape. and looked like he was trying to force a fast one. And just started moving back. And I'm thinking, man, if I'm his teammate and I train with him, that's not going to make me feel confident. Um, but, you know, if you look at Gregoric, I mean, when I'm looking up his results on Tillestoppage, the results database that we subscribe to, if you just look at his last three miles times, I know they're spread out over quite some time. But it doesn't look good. You see 349 in March, 352.9 in June, middle of June, 354.5 at the pre-classic at the end of June. So he's slowing down in those three races. I know time trials really aren't his thing, but, um, you know, Blankenship won his heat of, of the Sunset Tour. Um, he was only – he did run 352. I'm, I'm going Blankenship. 352-5 at pre. He beat Gregoric, and then he runs a, he wins his heat at the Sunset Tour. Blankenship looked great at pre till the last hundred. So for actually 1500 meters, he was the best American. I mean, granted it's a mile race, so that's not fair. So I'm going to go with Blankenship as well, actually. Thank you, Robert, for that. Can we real quickly sort of turn back to London? We haven't discussed London and this is USA preview, but you were talking about people, people mistiming their kicks. And I think the race of London, at least on the women's side and distances was the women's 5,000 meters. You know, it was talk of a world record attempt by, Sifan Hassan. It ended up being a great three-way race for the win. Helen O'Berry got the win, 14-20. Uh, Agnes Turup came up for second, and Sifan Hassan was third in the European record of 14-22. But, I mean, O'Berry got the win. Hassan was just, like, crushing it. O'Berry's the world champ. Um, you know, the best 5,000 meter in the world the last three years. But even though she won, did anyone else in this sort of notice, like, the last 50 meters? She was sort of she went out, she went too hard from like 200 to 50 to go. You know, I don't think it was her fastest 200. She put distance on everyone who won the race, but if somebody could time their kick a little bit better, you know, you might come be able to win that race. I agree with you as a former, you know, co- college coach and stuff. I, I always think it's weird. I mean, I know people want to have the lead. So many of them go for the lead right before the final 200. Cause they want to make the other person run wide. But if I'm the, person trailing i'm just gonna wait don't even try to pass on the turn you still have lots of time to go you've got you know 16 17 seconds or whatever i mean just wait the last 50 you're right they can totally blow up and and, and lose it there so but obiri is very impressive to me i mean yes hassan beats her in the 3000 but the 3000 is not the same as the 5000 i mean it's almost half the distance she's basically almost unbeatable at the 5000 right now 
Um, I, I know Hassan's doing well, but I, I think it's an interesting predicament now for Alberto Salazar because the 1,500, 5,000 double is not possible at Worlds. So he's talked about her doing the 10-5 double. I don't know. I mean, the 50- What about the 10-15, Robert? Do you dare do that? Well, the 10-second, yes. I would do that. That'd be more fun. The 10's first for the women. Day two and then the the women's 1,500. It wouldn't interfere. Oh, well, that would be interesting. Alberto, I'm all for it. There's our Alberto mention of the week, by the way. Yeah, Only praise for Alberto this week if he tries that off. I'm, folks, the idiot that tried – you know, when, when you talk about, like, um, Clayton Murphy trying the double, I, I one time tried to double a kid at the Ivy League Championships, 800-3,000 double. Didn't go so well. The 10K 1500 double would be so epic. I would just love to see somebody try that. It just shows how talented Sifan Hassan is and the range she's having and, you know, what I think good coaching can do. But, you know, the the jury is still out whether she's a 5,000-meter runner, I feel. Um, I mean, she has a bronze at Worlds, but I just mean that's truly her best event. And I think really she might be more of a 3,000-meter runner. Doesn't mean she can't win gold at 5,000, even win gold at 10,000. But I'm not convinced she's a better 10,000-meter runner than she is 1,500-meter runner. So to try the double in both those events would be awesome. Yes, it would. I think that that's, you know, that's, that's you know, I think that's the let's run position is now is we want to see Stephen Hassan try the 1,510 k We want to see someone, people have doubled in the 10-5 before. I can't remember anyone ever doing the 10-15. And I think she could medal in both. So, We'll see, but let's move on. Women's 1500, that was the other event you were interested in, Robert. Now, Shelby Houlihan and Jenny Simpson, can, can we all agree here? Shelby Houlihan will finish first, Jenny Simpson finishes second. Do we have any dissenters among that opinion? Well, no, but there's a reason why they run the race, John. Do we remember what, does anyone remember what happened at the indoor championships? Yes, uh, a hobbled Shelby Houlihan was defeated by Colleen Quigley and then had to take time off due to injury. Hobbled? Did we know she was hobbled at the time? Well, I didn't know that. That's a fair point. Maybe one of these women is hobbled, and uh, or maybe Houlihan is hobbled. But that, to me, that's the only situation where she doesn't win is if Shelby's not a hundred percent. And we saw a race a month ago at Pre. She looked like her old self. Maybe not quite her old self. Her old self might have won since she won that race last year. But you know, she she ran three fifty nine. She closed very well. I think a month later, she's going to be even better. I just I, I think. Calling that upset by Colin Quigley indoors as the way he described as a hobbled Shelby Houlihan is disrespectful to Colleen Quigley. Let's remember what happened indoors, John. Let's let's find the facts. Or in the winter. Now middle East Shelby was training for longer distances. Remember, she won USA Cross Country. That was February second. Then she shows up at USA's three weeks later. So I don't think she was hobbled. She just won a national championship. And the mile was on day one. It was before the two mile, John. So she won the two mile on day two, and she was beat straight up by Colleen Quigley in a shocker. But, yes, I think Shelby's going to win this race. Again, I, I, I've already advocated. I'm on the record for Jenny Simpson to move up to the steeplechase. But that was before I watched all these videos. It is amazing how she medals in race after race when she has no business in meddling. Safan Hassan mistimes her effort every time. She does what Costine Klosterhaven did in that London Diamond League last week where you know Klosterhaven and Coco tried to run with Muir and then just totally rigged up in the last um, – 50 meters and went from like second place all the way down to fifth. Hmm. It's almost like someone was trying to tell you Jenny Simpson has a really good record in championship races. That's weird. It's just like, this is ironic because I always complain about this in the sport. Like somebody will run a good 400 and they'll be like, what could they run in the 800? Or, you know, somebody will win like an Olympic medal, but the message board will be going crazy about some 17 year old that ran like a 402 mile, like which is potential. I'm like, well, it's not as the potential of the guy that just got the bronze medal. Like, let's talk about that. Running is always about what could they do, the theoretical. Um, but that's why I want Jenny to move to the steeplechase. I would love to see her battle the nine-minute barrier, battle Emma Coburn, that you could have the Wetmore athlete versus the former Wetmore athlete. I love those type of battles. Um, it's kind of like the North versus the South type thing. So, um you know, I, let's see what happens this year. And then if she gets her head beaten in at Worlds, maybe that'll move her up to the Seabull Chase for next year. Now, I just want to know what the end game is here, Robert, because look, Jenny Simpson turns 33 years old next month. She hasn't run a steeple in 10 years. You think she could, Beatrice Chipkowicz has 
out there breaking the world record running 844, it's probably going to take fitness around nine flat to medal in the steeplechase in Tokyo next year. You think Jenny can just return to the steeplechase at 33 and just start running nine flat immediately? I mean, I'm not saying she can definitely get to nine flat. I mean, the fact of the matter is I was thinking, you know, she only ran 912 when she was running the steeple back in the day. I actually was thinking it was 907. I just looked it up. It's only 912. So from 912 to nine flat is quite a big difference, but I don't think she's going to have any trouble like remembering how to steeple. I don't think it takes long to get the steeplechase technique down. I mean, Evan Jager got a few weeks after he picked up the event was winning USA's in it. I mean, I, you're either good at the steeple or you're not just sort of instinctively. Um, you know, I think Jenny, right. She, is she going to run the 5,000 at USA's? I heard she was. Her, she told me her plan is to run both events. Uh, the 1500 will be the focus in Doha. It's an impossible double, but she did say as of now, her plan is to run the 5,000 as well. So let's see how she looks there. I mean, she's run 15, she's run, you know, 1521. I guess she did get smoked indoors and she ran that 1533, but. Oh, I don't may, care may, about that. She's, I mean, she's just better than the rest of the people oh, apart from Houlihan. And that's what I think. I think she's a better runner. Than, do you, John, do you think she's not a better runner than Emma Coburn? In flight events, yeah, but Emma Coburn's run 902 for the steeple. I don't know if Jenny could do that. But I do I do agree with your – I get what you're saying, Robert. Yes, if you just had them race over 3,000 meters flat, Jenny would smoke Emma. The reason to do the steeple is because it just takes out a lot of competitors. The, the reality is, I mean, women's running is still not as deep as men's running in general, you know, because of, I guess – sexism in some of these third world countries maybe but with and then in the steeplechase male or female you're taking out just a lot of people who are incapable of doing the event so instead of being you know five or six people deep for you know it's only three or four people deep in terms of metal contenders and also it's pretty amazing at 32 that Ginny's still so competitive in the 15 and i think athletes across the board are stretching what's possible you know at various ages but Let's have a message board post of the week. There was a post by late runner Phil. We featured this in our week that was. And th- this thread was women's swimming is the only endurance sport where you get old at an extremely young age. They're talking about how on the women's side, a lot of these swimmers sort of peak out at you know, 18, 19 years old, something we've seen in a lot in women's running as well. And we could have a whole talk topic about that. You know, not just not Mary Kane's of the world, but Kaylin Whitney. Candace Hill, these are some names running USA's this year. And four years ago, they were, you know, phenoms in the sprints. And now they're sort of like barely in the meat. But this poster posted men's 5K times. And this is just the top times in the world. Kenesi Bikela, age 22. Gabriel Lassie's PR, 25. Daniel Komen was 21. Borrego was 18 and a half. Gabriel Witt, 24. I mean, it's just crazy how young everybody is. I have an issue with that list, though, Weldon. How accurate are any of those ages? Selmon Barrega was 18 when he ran 12:43. Like, do we do we how do we know for sure about these ages? Liberal John, when a black guy runs as uh, fast as a teen, as, at 5,000, it's a fake age. But when a white dude, Jacob Ingebrigtsen, does it 13:02 last week, we now know that a, we know we know from a westernized country with a birth certificate from the day he was born can run 13:02. So, uh, John, a fair argument. But, okay, let's add three years to every age. Bekele's 25, Gabriel Lassie's 28, Coleman's 24 then, Borrego's 21, Gabriel Wiet's 27, Kachoge's 22, Kajelka's 24. They're still not that old ages. We have this sort of like fantasy, oh, people keep training, they can get better and faster. And it's probably not the case. Your peak physical ability might be much younger than you thought. But then we have people like, I think this is sort of interesting, what shows what coaching can do. Sifan Hassan, her age is, thanks to Wikipedia here, well, she's actually younger than I thought, 26. Um, but, you know, Mo Farah was older when he started winning and getting better. And I think with proper coaching, you can extend. Look at Jenny Simpson, what she is doing. But that, I would say the general thinking is you can move up in distance and do better as you get older. But that post shows, even at 5K, a lot of these guys, prime peak might be much younger than we thought. So I just think that sort of shows like, oh my God, we're at Ingerbitsum. What's he going to be doing seven years from now? The question really might be, what's Ingerbitsum doing next year in Tokyo? You know, same thing with Noah Lyles and all these guys as well. Like, oh, 2028. No, you know, 2020, 
get it while it's hot, everybody. Even with Jager and the sub eight, we assume, oh, Jager was going to get the sub eight. Damn it, it may never happen. This is what I I read someone complaining like on, on Twitter, I think, saying Jakob Ingebrigtsen's going to burn out soon. I'm like, who cares if he burns out? He's already one of the best in the world. He could win the world championship this year. Like That is what you do. You get to the top level of the sport when you can. And okay, maybe his career doesn't last as long, but like if he wins worlds this year and then is gone by age like 29, is people gonna, are people going to call his career a failure? No, he's going to win a world title. Even better than he has the rest of his life to chill out and whatever and be healthy in his 30s. I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, he, Noah Lyles, any of these guys, their best Olympics may be 2020. 2024 is probably, I mean, Bolt was really good for one or two years, and he was still good, but he wasn't quite as good for, you know, the next four or five after that. So the, the people, there's an obsession with running with the future, the future, the future. Your early 20s, strike it while you're hot. Now, it'd be interesting for the women. We should have David Epstein on this podcast. We talked about this earlier with Stephanie Bruce. You know, when you get to your mid-30s, your testosterone level goes up for the women. So maybe they could have, you know, maybe we'll find that women um, could have, if they decide not to have children, you know, longer careers. I mean, I think in contrast to Ingridson, Drew Hunter, like we haven't mentioned him. He was a phenom in high school. He's done pretty well as a pro. But sort of this assumption, and I think we really like Tenman's training, his coach, Tom Schwartz, but this assumption, oh, like five or six years down the road, you get better. I mean, that really helped with my own running career. But I wonder if Ingebrigtsen and this sort of stuff is going to make people sort of, I don't know, rethink like how we best go about training people or if it's maybe it's okay just to burn it really hot. But this kid's been running since he's 13, so – it's not apples to apples comparison, but it's just something interesting to think about. Well, I mean, I used to talk to our coach, John Kellogg, about this. He doesn't think that running a lot is what burns you out. He thinks really hard intervals at a young age without a base is what burns you out. So they do a lot of threshold work, you know. And, John, I got to give you credit. You picked Ingebrigtsen to do well in that 5,000. You said if Hagos wasn't there, he was the man to beat. And I was thinking to myself, Gosh, and also I'm trying to go against John because he's been embarrassing me recently in these predictions and stuff. But I'm thinking to myself, a dude that can't even get top 10 at World Junior Cross Country is going to win a Diamond League 5,000? I was thinking, that doesn't seem right. But then in my head, I did think to myself, look, there's a huge difference between a hilly as hell 10,000 and a 5,000. And a 1,500 runner running a 10,000 versus a 5,000 is a completely different thing. Like even someone like Ultra Runner Sage Canada, he was good at 10K, 5K, no, terrible. So... But John, you were right. So he, he ran well, you know, thirteen oh two. But can we uh, these meets where we hear people are going to go for the world record? Like Hassan, thumbs down for her, despite getting the European record. She said she was going to go for a world record, right? And then nobody goes for the rabbit. Like I don't get that. Yeah, I think the commentators tried to say like, oh, well, she likes to run from the back, and it was a you know she'd had an egg split in a mile world record but yeah the 5k is not something that you can you got to get the pace going immediately so if you're going to go for a world record you have to be up there with the rabbit in the 5k that's sort of the crazy thing with all these world records right like hassan breaks the world record in the mile and tim hutchings on the call wasn't prepared for it yet in the 5k they're talking about a world record and she really didn't go for it so i mean it's sort of like the beauty and the burden of the world records but Robert, I noticed you've been kind of stressed today. And I think that's because we've not been promoting Floyds of Leadville. You need to go to floydsofleadville.com, enter code RUN2019 to save 15% on certified CBD products. Floyds is back. We're going to have the ads back up on Let's Run. But Robert, I mean, some of the stressful, we ha- I don't know what's going to make it, but we had to bleep out some stuff from Robert on this podcast. John had to be bleeped out. You guys are a little stressed. It's our birthday. It's supposed to be a great day. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, check out Floyd's of Leadville. Guys, this has been an exceedingly long tangent. Can we get back the women's 1500? We still have, there's still a spot up for grabs that we haven't talked about here after Simpson and Houlihan. Well, one more thing to the sponsors. I don't understand. Weldon gets free gear. Like Hoka sends in these $175 pairs of shoes. I, I don't, little Rojo here doesn't get anything. Floyd's, I can give you my address. Shoot me an email. Send me some free stuff. So who gets the third spot? That's a good question, John. You tell us. Yeah, so, all right, here are the candidates. Here, well, I'll read off all the people with the standard here. So, Houlihan Simpson, Kate Grace, Alexa Ephraimson, Helen Schlachtenhaufen, Dartmouth alum, Nikki Hiltz, Corey McGee, Katie Mackey, Sinclair Johnson, the NCAA champion, Heather McLean, 
and Shannon Osika. Any names stand out to you guys there? Well, the big question to me is what does Kate Grace do? Does she run the 800 or the 1500? I like the way you phrase this, John. You think her odds of making the team are a little bit higher at 1500, but her odds of meddling at Worlds are higher than the 800. I agree with you. Um, I'm going to – if Grace runs it, you picked her to make the team. If she doesn't run I, – I, I'd like to go with somebody new. I'd like to say Nikki Hiltz. She's been running really, really well. Um, that would be exciting. I have a lot of faith in the NCAA champion from Oklahoma State. So uh, one of those two, I think. Yeah, John, when you were naming names, I'm like Kate Grace, if she runs, runs it, probably makes the team. But you said names, and I'm like, I haven't really researched what people were doing. But when you're just going through them, I just – Nikki Hills, I went, check. And then I was like, yeah, maybe Sinclair Johnson. I don't know if she can sort of make that jump up, but she's been running so well. So those were my sort of two initial ones. Both seem to be running very well this year. Yeah, for me, the big question is what event does Kate Grace run here with, and this just shows people act like Castor Semenya and the DSD athletes being excluded from the 800 possibly that, you know, that this doesn't really affect people. It's just all about discrimination against Castor, but there's real life tangible things for the people behind them. And Kate Grace can go from being someone hoping to, you know, maybe to get like six in the world or fifth or whatever, which is great, but Without them in with now in the 800, she can be conceived be a you know content, serious metal threat. Maybe not gold, but like no one's running super fast, and she could think, "Hey, I start doing the eight again. Maybe I can do some serious damage there." But you're making the US team. It's no, you know, she's probably good at the rounds, so I think she actually makes the team in both if she tries it. I think she should do the eight. I I agree with her. That I agree with you that I think she should do the eight based just simply on the. Uh, her better mental chances in Doha. I mean, even with the uncertainty, we don't know. Even we don't know how it's going to unfold. But but she maybe maybe she's bought into the fifteen hundred mindset. You know, it's weird. It's like do you do what you you're training for the fifteen hundred. You think you're a fifteen hundred runner. You're kind of t- it's it's right though. The X Y thing has totally changed it up. I mean, one thing that's interesting to me there is, I mean, if you look at somebody like Sinclair Johnson, she's run. I think she just ran two flat. Didn't she high point nine or something? So. You know, she's run 406, but Jessica Holt, Jessica, she beat Jessica Holt in NCAs. Jessica Holt then went to pre and beat Kate Grace, 402-62. So you're like, well, she's run two flat. That's really good. She could probably run 402. But then you remember Kate Grace just ran 159. But then Holt beat her, so that's a really a dead heat. Holt, Nick Hiltz has been running really well, but she's been at a much lower level of competition. She's run 201, I think, in what, 405 or something, John? Yeah. Uh, let me throw one more name out there as well. Danny Jones. Four-time NCAA cross-country champion. Sorry, four-time NCAA champion. She is the reigning NCAA cross-country champion. She doesn't have the standard. She was fifth last year. What do we think? Any chance? Let me throw one word out there, John. No. Yes, and say I'll throw two words out there. I agree with Weldon. I was all into Danny Jones about a month ago. I thought she would destroy a Frameson. Folks, and this is a big race for a Frameson, guys. I'm, John, I know you think I'm obsessed with these teenagers, but she got close to that PR, and then ever since then, it's been going downhill. I mean, I guess Edward Cheswick just PR after five years, but I'm starting to get worried about her future prospects. But um, Danny Jones, you know, she only ran 409.68 at the Sunset Tour. So, no, she's not going to do this, John. Don't even content- contemplate that. Wow. The, the stock on the Danny Jones stock on this show has plummeted over the yes. last month. This is wild. But. Anyways, I, I think that – did I make an official pick for third? Uh, I don't remember. My pick is Grace if she runs, Nikki Hiltz if Grace doesn't run. Uh, I want to say that, but I want to, I want to, I want to pick Sinclair, but I, don't want Sinclair, I almost don't want Sinclair to make it because I don't want her to go pro. I want her to wait another year, dominate the NCAs, and then really strike it when you're hot. Break four minutes next year, and then the shoot companies will be lined up for her. But, guys uh, – Check back for the message board. Maybe we'll make our official picks known or something like that. So wait, you're just hedging on a pick here, Robert? No, 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 no. Make a pick. Who's going to finish third? Well, if you picked Hilt, I don't really gain from picking Hilt's do I? But if I pick Sinclair and she goes pro, I'm going to be upset about it. Don't do, don't pick just based on what I'm picking. Pick on who you think is going to make the team. I, I have to look at Mickey Hilt's seasonal bash. Just one second, John. It's 405. Oh, that's a stretch. Sinclair Johnson. Looking at the non, is that good enough for you, John? Yeah, yeah, no, that that was good. I think go on to something else. Okay, let's talk about the non-distance races. What excites you guys? Some fantastic sprinting, obviously. Um, 
I mean, in the men's, we're going to have the Christian Coleman, Noah Lyles in the 200. My God, I wish Michael Norman was in the 200. That would be the event of USA's if, if those three guys were all in it. But 200-400 double is not really going to happen this year. The 100-200 double for Lyles is going to happen. Coleman, thumbs up for doing both events. That's going to be a great one. you got Gatlin versus um, Coleman in the 100. Uh, Gatlin's only going to run one round. That's not happening. Oh, that's true. Folks, if you're in the Let's Run.com prediction contest, take Gatlin out. That's kind of funny, right? So in the prediction contest, we have 96.6% with Coleman, 3.1% picking Gatlin, who's only going to run one round because he's defending world champion. And then the other 03 picked Ronnie Baker, hasn't run a race all year. So <laughs> I wonder if 100% of people, I mean, I guess the 03 that's it. How does Coleman not win that race other than a full start, you know? Pulls up injured. Uh, let's hope not. But all right, he, no, I have a very clear answer for what I'm most interested in in the sprints. Allison Felix. She has not run a race all year. She gave birth last year. Uh, wasn't running well before that. And then it turned out she was pregnant. Do we do, we don't even know. Does she have a Nike contract? We don't know whether she's under contract or not. She's 33 years old. She's a silver medalist from the last world championships. Does she have anything left? What does her fitness look like? We don't really know. Oh, sorry. She was bronze medalist in the last world championships. I apologize. I just have no idea. There's so much uncertainty around her. I'm very interested to see what she can do in the 400 because honestly, you look at the rest of this field, it's not that strong an event. Typically, it's a very good event. They do have the reigning world champion in uh, Phyllis Francis, but she hasn't looked the same and she's not even entered in that event at USA's. So how the hell does Allison Felix do? John, do we know if Ashley Spencer's entered in the 400 and 400 hurdles or just the 400 hurdles? I can look it up right now. She's only in the 400 hurdles. Okay. Well, Felix is a fascinating case. I mean, we have no idea. That's definitely not the event I'm most excited to see. I mean, that might be one of the biggest storylines I want to see. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. The event that I'm fascinated by. And and again, this is why the whole idea of cutting the Diamond League events down is stupid because one of the events that might go on the chopping block would be the 400 hurdles. And yet it's one of the best events in track and field on the men's side right now. I mean, that 400 hurdle race at Worlds might be the best event in the history of running. Three guys could all break the world record at one time. I mean, it'd be crazy. But on, on the women's side of the USA's, does, does anyone besides me realize that the U.S. has the top four women in the world right now? Everyone's just assuming Sydney McLaughlin is going to win this. She's at 53-32. Delilah Muhammad, 53-61. Shamir Little, 53-73. And then Ashley Spencer tied for fourth at 54-11. That's four women. Yes, one of them probably won the Diamond League, but guess what? That doesn't matter. We're not going to send those four to Worlds because we've got the reigning world champion in, in Corey Carter who will take that fourth spot. So one of those women is not going to make it. Probably Ashley Spencer. But that, to me, is a fascinating uh, event. Imagine the, the drama somehow. I mean, I guess McLaughlin's got through, you know, 0.8 of a second over fourth, but that's a really interesting one to me. Well, you say we're all assuming Sydney McLaughlin's going to win. Isn't she? I mean, have you watched her race this season, Robert? She, she hasn't lost. She's looked really good. Her, she won her Diamond League debut in Oslo, even though she cladded that first hurdle. She set the world leader in Monaco. I mean, I haven't seen anything to suggest that she's not going to win this race. Yeah, I agree. And she's been getting faster, whereas Delilah Muhammad ran her seasonal best on May 3rd, 5361, then 5388, 5367, and then only 5435. I think Delilah. Delilah Muhammad, Robert. Excuse me. I think when she raced Sydney in, in that last race, it was sort of in her head. She tried to force it and, and run faster. Just you got to worry about the hurdles, run your own race. Um, but no, I, she's a big star. It's a high quality event that could push her down to. You know, how fast can she go? I mean, the world record is, I'm, I don't think she'll break it at USA's, but that's on the table. I'm, I'm very impressed with how McLaughlin has handled her first year as a pro. I mean, we knew she was a big talent, but, you know, she changed coaches to Joanna Hayes from Edric Floreal. She was only with Floreal for a year. So this is her third coach in three years. For her to be out there and still dominating the event as a 19 year old. Yeah, and and to be handling publicity, and this is doesn't she isn't she out in L.A. She's doing like, and she's got like real endorsements or potential for real endorsements, and sort of as a social media star. So she's handling it all very well. Yeah, the world record fifty two thirty four. So she's got a ways to go for that, John. 
I mean, fair enough. McLaughlin's running well this year. She did run faster last year. So, uh, you know, let's see where the w- season ends up. She very well could have the world record, but it, if she doesn't run faster than last year, then you're like, hey, should she have changed coaches? I mean, I, I think we're sort of getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but 92% of people are picking her. And I think the Ashley Spencer thing, you know, if she makes the team, she's got a good shot of, of meddling at Worlds, but looks like she, she probably won't make the team which is pretty crazy. And the funny thing is like, she used to be a 400 meter runner. So she switched over and now the U S is so weak at 400. It's sort of crazy how weak we are. We have three people under 51 seconds this year, no one under 50. And so the good thing for Allison Felix is making the team at 400 is probably about as easy as it's ever been. The bad thing is, you know, she hasn't run a race all year. John asked, does she have a Nike contract? She's entered as Nike. So I assume that's a yes, but you know, if Allison Felix never makes the team again, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I don't know. It's just give me a couple races. Most likely, I assume she does come back and make some teams, but give me a couple races, see how she's doing. Um, and it'd also be interesting how do they how do they pick the four by four teams? Because some of the best people in the US right now on actual flat out four hundreds are in the four hundred hurdles. So I assume they can pick from them. But you know, it used to be like, hey, you get fourth of the USA's and the four hundred, you're on the four by four team. This year probably won't happen. Yeah, well, I mean, look at so we actually have five Americans who've broken fifty-one seconds this year, Weldon, and two of them, the two of the top three, Delula Muhammad is number one at fifty-sixty, and Sydney McLaughlin is number three at fifty-seventy-eight. Two of them are four hundred meter hurdles hurdlers. So I think both of them could make the U.S. team in the flat four hundred. They just happen to be running the four hundred hurdles. Speaking of the four by four, folks, when does the clown show begin? Folks, you know what I'm referring to? Kyle Lewis has referred to the mixed gender 4x4 as the clown oh, show. I, I, know, I know we're going to have it in the 2020 Olympics. Are we going to have it this year? Yes, it's a total mess. It's just a, I mean, it's totally cheapening a world uh, a gold medal. They get the same gold medal that the people in the regular relay do. You just uh, diluting the talent pool. Well, I, I don't have a problem with it. I think we, we need to have one or the other because now we're going to have to hear about how Allison Felix has even more medals because she can now run the 4x1, 4x4, and mixed 4x4. Why is it a clown show? I'm up for these different events. What was the race? The two by two by four. Why don't we have a two by two by four by one by two or something? I'm just making up numbers. But, you know, like a run hundred men and then a 400 women. Well, I, I, don't know why, I don't know why people are, people are just opposed to it. I don't know why Lewis referred to it as the clown show because. Who, wait, who, Lewis who? Carl Lewis. Oh, Carl Lewis, yeah. You know, I, I think that. At some level, market, try, trying to market the sport is better. But I, I do think that one of the things that some people may have a problem with is I think it's sort of – do you think the intention of this at some level, which is stupid, is to try to say like, oh, men and women's sports are the same and they're the equivalent? And I, I don't know. They're just not. If anything, it shows you how much slower the women are because you can run the men and women any leg and some woman's got like a 30-meter lead. She's going to be gunned down by some guy. It looks exciting when someone's way behind and if the teams don't run all the same genders, but eventually people will figure out the right order to run and it won't be as exciting because people won't be coming way behind or they'll have a yellow line like to show you how much of a ground they should be able to make up. It'll still be exciting, I think. No, this is one of those events that sounds really cool in theory and then when you actually get to the the process of implementing it in a 10-day meet where most of the athletes who are running it are either in the individual 400 or might be wanting to run the 4 by 4 for the single gender, it's just a mess. It's not that exciting. I've watched it at the World Relays. It's not that great a race. Like, I just don't think it, they should be handing out Olympic gold medals. The Olympics should be about the best of the best. And adding in a secondary relay that maybe the Bahamas loads it up. They have like Stephen Gardner and Sean A. Miller Weibo. But then you're taking them out of the individual, the regular single gender four by four. I just think it's a stupid, unnecessary well, event. And it's not as cool as it sounds. But maybe a lot of smaller countries don't have four good men, but maybe they have one or two good women. So they it, maybe it could be a better one, better race than the problem is if you just had one better race, I'd be for it than two mediocre races. But I think what you're going to have end, end up having is like three mediocre races. Yeah. And they could space it out. Right. So that, Oh, they are. In a world at the Olympics, I know that you can do all three. Open four, mixed gender. Well, that shouldn't be allowed because I think the whole point of it is to like, mix things up. And I wonder if it should be better if they like mandated like men and women don't race together. They just pull the names out of the hat uh, out of some random order. 
I mean, I think we want chaos. You want chaos. You want some unpredictability in track and field. And maybe by a country, a couple of countries, like if Bahamas stacks it and the U.S. team isn't that good, Bahamas can win. I mean, the Bahamas has beaten the U.S. before regularly, but sort of maybe some upsets is what the sport needs. But the event looks cooler when the men are chasing down the women. I mean, that, that event does versus when all the women run together versus, and all the men run together. That's just sort of like a standard four by four. It looks kind of whatever. Well, guys, we, we've talked about some of the sprint action at USA, some of the distance action. We can't go through all the events. We don't – well, we could, but we don't want to. I think we should wrap this baby up soon, but I'd like to give a shout-out. I gave him a shout-out in my week at was column. Congratulations, Edward Cheswick. Your PR from your freshman year of college has finally gone down. Glad to see you running well. And what do you think, guys? Should he run for Kenya or not? If he wants to run at the Olympics, he needs to run for Kenya because who knows when he's going to get his American citizenship. But he seems like he wants to run for America. So if that's what he wants to do, he's not going to run at the Olympics anytime soon. Yeah, he's not going to be an American citizen anytime soon unless the laws change. And that was the threat of the week. Edward M.F. Cheserick runs 13.04 for the win in Houston. We don't need to have a deleted threat of the week this week because it's the USA Championships. Everybody, get in your picks for the prediction contest. Thank you, Running Warehouse, for sponsoring. Don't forget to get your CBD products from Floyd's of Leadville. Use code RUN2019 to save 15%. And the guys who chipped in to the GoFundMe, it's kind of crazy because we're on the hook for it anyway if you don't chip in. We maybe should interview some of them and have social scientists study why you're contributing. But some people asked beforehand. They said, hey, they wanted to contribute to the cause. So that's all pretty interesting. Thanks to them as well. Well, they're going to get a free exclusive Let's Run.com t-shirt if they donate more than $50. So that probably would go up in value and be worth several hundred dollars in a few years. Oh, speaking of great stuff in the Let's Run.com community, I mean, yeah, we had two big victories with the trials and everything this week. But the shoe site, Let's Run.com slash shoes, We've been promoting it. The response has been amazing. Last time Robert said over a thousand reviews. He meant like in, in the last month, not ever. We have like, you know, I think 8,000 reviews or something total. But in the last month, and that's really the last two weeks, let's see if we crack the number, nearly 1,500 new shoe reviews. So if you want to see the best shoe reviews on the planet and you can find like what the best shoes for marathon runners are, the best shoes for pronators, most popular shoes on Let's Run. You can find a great deal on your shoes. Let's run.com slash shoes. John, I'll see you in Iowa tomorrow. Robert, happy birthday. Yep, looking forward to it. Weldon, happy birthday, Robert. Happy birthday, Weldon. Happy Founders Day to all. And happy birthday to the Zeagles, the Zeagle twins. John, do you know who they are? No. Google it. All right, everybody. Till next week. <laughs>